For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety-minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. It's time to awaken an entire nation. I'll be a dog till I die. Yeah. Between the hedges, look it fly. fly. 90,000 in the stands, I'ma do my dance, make it look fly. fly. Coach, put me in the game. Dang. UGA, yeah, the name. Dang. Yeah, the offense gonna turn up, but the defense gonna win us the game. Here's your host, Corey Burton. All right, welcome back to another edition of the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast on the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcasting network for professionals. I'm your host, Corey Burton. we got a great show lined up for you today. Joining me, as always, is my co-host, Israel Troop. Israel, what's up, man? What's going on, man? Enjoying this nice, warm, finally day down here in South Georgia. We've got a nice little breeze going, so it's not too bad. It has been miserably cold the last week and a half, but today's a beautiful day. Yeah, we actually got snow up here, like, I don't know, last weekend or last week. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it's it's just now we're, we're going to be in the 60s for the second day in a row, so it's going to be really nice. It's really nice outside right now. Um, so after after we finish this episode, I'm going to take my little happy butt outside. But um, if you want to find us uh, on Twitter, uh, at Believe in Dogs on all platforms, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, you can find me at Coach Burton 36 You can find Israel at Troopstar28 uh, on Twitter. Uh, you can find us anywhere you find a podcast. Subscribe, rate, and review. We'd love to hear from you. Also, the show is brought to you by BetOnline.ag. The wait or the NFL season is in full swing, but uh, you may not be at the game this year. But you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. I haven't played in a minute. Uh, I took a few uh, Thanksgiving losses, and I haven't really uh, licked my wounds and jumped back on the horse just yet. But I plan on uh, maybe playing a little bit of blackjack just to kind of get myself back into it but uh does any is there any betting lines uh this week that intrigue you uh i hadn't really looked yet um I'm, i gotta see who's playing this week you know with COVID going on i mean there's so many cancellations and things like that i know we're going to talk about the big 10 deal uh coming up so i'm interested to see what kind of, what they got going on uh this week but i'll definitely look at it as soon as basically when we get done right here um just to see See what all was going on in the, in the great world of college football and, and, and the NFL, especially since the Pittsburgh Steelers lost this weekend to the team with no name. 
<laughs> yes, uh, that's uh, the, all. All is right in the world. There's no no uh, undefeated NFL team. So uh, there's there's a winless one, but there is no uh, undefeated one. So that's uh, I guess that's uh, if you're the seventy two Dolphins, that's uh, that's the way to go. So. From game spreads and totals to team and player and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than any place online. And there's always the online casino as well. That never closes. So head to BetOnline.ag today. Take full advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Again, that's BetOnline.ag and sign up today. BetOnline, your online sportsbook experts. Uh, as you mentioned it, we have a lot to talk about today. Georgia is traveling to Columbia, Missouri to take on uh, Mizzou. Uh, there's snow in the forecast, so that'll be an interesting factor. Uh, Ohio State, Michigan. Uh, Jim Harbaugh is guaranteed not to lose to Ohio State this year. We'll tell you why. Shane Beamer is the new head coach at the University of South Carolina, and there is a dumpster fire that is that is uh, happening right now in Baton Rouge. Uh, it's going from bad to worse on a daily basis. So um, it is uh, it's crazy in the in the world of college football. Of course, all the coronavirus uh, cancelings and things like that. It's starting to starting to get kind of funky, which uh, we were afraid this was going to happen at the beginning, but uh, we knew it was going to happen. There's contingency plans in place, so that's good. So, Israel, let's get into the Georgia-Missouri game first. Uh, this will be the first game for Georgia in a couple of weeks, uh, coming off a 45-14 uh, to uh, 14 romping of South Carolina, uh, where the running game was just rampant. Uh, and then the week prior, the, the passing game was, uh, was on point. Uh, where JT Daniels have passed for 408 yards. So this week, is the offense going to be more balanced? How do we attack Missouri? Um, I think the elements will, will dictate um, how we do that. Um, I think this is, I think I saw a thread where this is the first uh, game that Georgia might play in the snow in, uh, what, 10, 15 years, I think. So mm-hmm. I think the elements might be um, not in our favor offensively, but, you know, you still got to go out there and play the game. Um, I, I think there will be a little bit, a little bit more balance uh, this week, um, especially like I said, considering the elements. And I mean, when when both aspects of the, of your game are going well, the run game finally picked up, and you know we got JT Daniels back there, you know, dropping dimes everywhere. Um, you know, if the elements are are great, I think we stay balanced and we, we mix a little bit of both. But if the elements are a factor, um, if it's just snow. Um, I think we'll be fine to throw the ball or run the ball as we want. But if it's that side, sleeting, cold, wet snow, I think they'll probably keep it on the ground more. And that's when we're going to rely on our offensive line. And with uh, with Hill out now, you know, at the center uh, position, it's, it's going to be a telltale, you know. Um, you know, he's usually the one that makes the calls up front for everybody, great communicator up front. And now that he's out, you know, how do we respond up front, um, do the calls and everything, um, still come in the same. Do we pick up blitzes? Um, do, do we uh, block our guys um, in the run game? So I think there's a lot of factors that goes into this game, especially since we weren't able to play, and like you said, in the last two weeks. Um, and going to a place where it's cold, um, it might snow, uh, it might sleet. Um, I think there's a lot of factors offensively that we got that we got to look at. But um, I think uh, Georgia come on top, you know, as usual. Um, but I think it's going to be tough sledding. Um, just depending on the weather. Um, it might not be, but, you know, weather's always a factor, especially in situations like this. Yeah, I think if it's just cold and, and snowing and sleeting a little bit, as long as the wind uh, stays at a manageable uh, pace, then I, I think we'll be fine uh, because it's really hard to get a pass rush when the field's kind of slick, uh, which is which favors the passing game a little bit. 
uh, because you'll have plenty of time to throw and you can throw short. And, and uh, as, as long as our guys can handle it and catch it, uh, and catch and run, we should be okay in the passing game. The, the, the run game is going to be a little tricky because, you know, it's hard to kind of get footing um, on – you know, in, in the slick surfaces, and especially with artificial turf, I don't know how well artificial turf handles the snow and uh, handles you know wet, icy conditions. But I guess we'll find out. So, uh, you know, what, what's what's good on the perimeter now is we got guys that are stepping up. You know, George Pickens, uh, Kiers Jackson, Jermaine Burton got uh, three guys that have kind of really stepped up in the passing game. Trey McKitty has kind of emerged at, as the tight end. He's kind of woken up a little bit and. And, that, you know, we're starting to find these guys, and, and JT Daniels is getting comfortable, things like that. So, you know, you hope they're doing some wet ball drills at practice. You hope they're kind of uh, – they took advantage of that cold snap that we just had and, and practice outside getting ready for this game. So it'll be interesting to kind of see where our game plan is, and I guess it's going to be contingent on, on the weather if, if it's just a really sloppy snow sleet uh fest where it's windy and can't really get much going in the passing game you know you'll you'll see more running which favors us especially with our with the talent of the talented running backs that we do have uh, because we got a couple good guys that can run really well in, in trash and really well in, in traffic and and so you know getting getting extreme movement is, is you know not going to be a, a huge requirement because i think James Cook and Kenny McIntosh are guys that'll that'll thrive in this game because they're very they're very shifty and they, they got great vision, especially McIntosh. And then uh, so we'll see how kind of how that works out. But um, offensively, I think you just kind of play it by ear and and take you know obviously take what the defense gives you. I think that's always the game plan. Uh, but you got to kind of see how what what the conditions are going to allow for as well. That's another factor. That's actually another defender uh, for Missouri and actually for Georgia when they're on defense. So um, I'm hearing that we, we may be getting Richard LeCount back. Uh, that's uh, that's something that's uh, in the works. or po- uh, That's certainly a possibility. Just the communication aspect of getting him back would be enormous for this defense and uh, a defense that really kind of needs to find their identity and, and, and really kind of understand that it's okay to bend a little bit and it's okay to give up a few points. That's kind of where football's heading, in my opinion. So you, you've got to kind of manage it, and and now it's you know defense all over the country uh, just now need to figure out okay how can we get some some stops here? How can we limit their their production and and not feel like we have to shut down and win the game uh, for the offense? And that's got to be a little bit of, of of a better feeling now that you know that your offense is going to get you out of trouble sometimes, so you can be a little more aggressive. And go after those havoc plays. So, what do, what do you think defensively uh, the game plan is? Is it, it does it does it change now that we we've we've got some new pieces in there? Um, I, th- I think it does. I, I think uh, you get a little bit more complex now, um, especially if Richard comes back. Because um, I mean, like I said, he's the quarterback of the defense. You know, he gets everybody lined up from defensive line all the way back to the secondary. If you get him back, I think you get to see a little bit more of those blitzes, a little bit more stunting, um, a little bit more man coverage because he can get everybody lined up. Um, but like you said, you know, teams are going to score points, you know, um, when, when Steve Spurry got to Florida, you know, he proved that, you know, that people can score points in the SEC. There's no more, uh, uh, power counter, you know, ISO anymore, you know, teams are spraying you out and, you know, you know they're going to score points. And like you said, it, it's more of the, the bend, but don't break kind of mentality. You know, you get your stops where, where you need them um, and, and, and make tackles. Um, and after that, you know, it, you just kind of play the game. 
you know, so, you know, don't get out of your stuff, don't get out of your comfort zone, you know, uh, you know, so, but having Richard back, a huge key for our defense. I mean, it has been detrimental to, to our defense, you know, and, and not, not just from the standpoint of him as a player, just, just him being smart. And like I said, just him being the quarterback of the defense, getting everybody lined up, getting everybody in the right, in the right positions and all that good stuff. So, um, it'll be interesting to see if he's able to play, which I hope he is. Um, I think he was having a phenomenal season before his accident. And, and thank God that, you know, it wasn't very serious and he's able to come back. So, um, if he's back, I mean, I, I think you, you see the defense of the old. Um, I think you see them get better. Um, and if he's not back, you know, we, we still got to go out there and play football. You know, kids still have to have to do their job. Um, and we got plenty, plenty of athletes that can do that. But when you have a guy, a smart guy who's been there for four years, who, who's played four years, started for three of them, enriched the count, you know, that brings a different aspect um, to the game, especially on the defensive side of football. Absolutely. And, uh, you know, speaking of the secondary, speaking of getting help back there, they're going to need it because Connor Basilic is uh, – he has gotten significantly better each and every game. He just carved up Arkansas for 380 um, in, in, a, in a barn-burning shootout of, of a game last week. How do you slow down Connor Basilic? How do you do – you, do you heat him up? Do you mix up coverages? I mean, how, how can we how can we create some issues for, for Basilic? Um, for for him, I, I think you got to heat him up and mix up coverages. Um, I think if you, if you rush three and and, and drop in the, in the zone coverages, I think you're fine. Um, but you have to, you have to mix it up. Um, Arkansas last week, I, I think they gave him a little bit too much cushion. Um, last week they played a little bit more zone. They really didn't play any man against Missouri, and he and he carved them up. You know that was a dang shootout um, in which they came out, and they came out on top of him, which was a very good game. Um, but um, for him, you know, I really didn't see Arkansas get any pressure on him. I think their offensive line did a good job, you know, of, ho- of holding their own um, against that very physical uh, front seven of, of Arkansas. And, you know, when you play zone, you know, you get picked apart. And there was a couple of throws that he made last week that were absolutely dimes. Um, he hit one on the right side of the of the, uh, the sideline over there um, for a big play. And um, he, he's doing some really good things over there uh, for Missouri. So, um, I, I think I, I think in order for us to come out on top and and to confuse him, I think you got to mix up coverages. You got to mix up coverages a lot. You know, show man but play zone, uh, show zone but play man. You know, and things like that to kind of get him, kind of get him off kilter. And like I said, with, with the conditions the way they are, if you do that, so, that somebody's gonna make a mistake. And you know, when, when you confuse a quarterback who hadn't really seen it a whole lot, um, I think I think everything works in your favor that way. Yeah, no doubt, and and I think that that was something that was missing against Mississippi State because I think we had so many new faces due to injuries and things like that that we had to kind of play a simpler form of of defense. I think now with with uh, two weeks to prepare, I, I think you, you're going to get some guys in there that can now uh, play some games back there and, and create some some different looks for uh, for Basley because you know you have to assume that the communication's a little bit better and, and, and improving. And, and that was really kind of – because it wasn't a lack of, of skill. I think a couple of times that there was there was receivers that, that beat us, which if you're a cornerback and you don't get beat, then you just haven't played. So I, I think it's going to be one of those things where you just have to, you know, confuse him a little bit and, mm-hmm. and rattle him a little bit and hit him because, I mean, he's still just a freshman, so he's not immune to it. Uh, I mean, he's going to play really well because he, he's well coached and Missouri's a good program, but – you know, I, I don't think he's immune to, to being rattled and, and, and banged around. So 
you know, Ozilari's going to have to have a big game. I think Adam Anderson are going to have to unleash him a little bit. I think the interior uh, linemen are going to have to continue to develop and, and stop Larry Roundtree in the run game, force them to be one-dimensional. And if they can do that, I think that now the games that you play on the back end with Basilic are going to are going to be a little bit more effective because now Missouri knows they can't run. They have to throw. And now you're getting into situations where he's sitting back there and holding the ball too long because he's trying to figure out where the coverage is going to be and why it wasn't uh, what he thought it was, and he's going to be confused. And is he going to hit a few plays on us? Yeah, probably. He'll, he'll hit a couple. He'll hit a few. They'll probably score some points. Um, but I, I think it's – you know, I don't think it's going to be as bad as, as people make it out to be. I think this defense is, is finally starting to kind of figure itself back out. I mean, they had it figured out, got some injuries – had to re had to readjust, but I think they're still trying to get this whole uh, passing game thing figured out. And and tempo and the 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 new way of offense does that to a lot of defenses. So it's not a problem that's unique to to UGA, but it is a problem that they need to fix. And I think they've done a good job of, of trying to fix it and figuring out solutions. So I think uh, the thirteen point spread. Uh, I'm going to buy it this time uh, because I think we've got a quarterback that can finally make that happen and some weapons that have emerged that can finally make that happen. I'm buying the spread. Um, I think special teams, Jake Camarda, has been an absolute weapon. I think he'll continue to be a weapon. It's okay to punt. Uh, that's that's fine with me. It flips field position, and it gives us, puts us in an advantageous situation. So I, I think if Missouri wants a chance to win, they've got to go tempo. They've got to be able to keep Connor Basilic upright. If Georgia wants to win – force Missouri into some mistakes, uh, be explosive on offense, overwhelm them uh, like other teams that are successful do, like Florida and Alabama. They they have good defenses, don't get me wrong, but the way they win is they overwhelm you so much on offense and they put so much pressure on you because they can score so dang quickly that mm-hmm. it, it kind of forces you into panic mode. And, and teams that are successful against Alabamas and Floridas are teams that don't go into panic mode. Like Texas A&M did not go into panic mode when when Kyle Pitts was going off in the first half. They just kept chipping away, kept chipping away, kept chipping away, and they ended up winning that game. Uh, we, we were in that same position with Alabama, and then they hit a couple deep balls on us, and then we we unraveled and went panic mode. So it, it, it's just one of those things where if, if Missouri uh, wants to win, they've got to kind of hang in there, and Georgia can't let them. Georgia's got to pour it on and keep their keep the pedal to the metal, which I don't I don't know if they're they're not I'm not saying they're not doing that, but they just need to continue. So are you buying the thirteen point spread? I am. I am. I, I think that we come out and play well. I think this two weeks has kind of given us a chance to kind of look at some things and practice some things that you wouldn't normally get to because you're preparing for an opponent. Um, and people got to understand uh, in the in the skill skill position on the back end of our defense. I mean, they're all new faces. Yeah, I think we went from, you know, uh, DeAndre Baker, um, Dominique Sanders, you know, and those guys played, you know, their four years. So when those guys leave, although we got five stars and things like that, they're not getting game reps, you know, in games. And then once you throw them in the fire, it takes a little while for you to get going. You know, it, it that the game's fast coming from high school to college that game is really fast and then when you get to NFL it's, it's it's extremely fast um so you know you know people just gotta understand that although you know where you start defense and you see all these five stars and stuff those guys still have to go out there and play the game those guys still have to get game reps live reps as well and you know we got a, we got a lot of new faces a lot of moving pieces going on and and, they, and they'll figure it out I, I don't think they played bad um I think that defensive staff is just trying to figure out you know what can we do well um 
And especially when you have injuries, you know, you get to the point to where now you got to throw everything out that you normally do and get back to the bases and say, all right, this is what we're going to do because we're, we're missing this guy and this guy and we can't do this because of this guy. You know, those, those are things that, you know, coaches look at. You know, all coaches want to put their players in a situation to where they can succeed. And if that means, like, I guess, like we said in an earlier show, if that means uh, rushing three and, and dropping eight, and that, that's fine, keeping everything in front of you. If that means you get Rich LeCount back and a couple of other guys back and you can send some heat, that, that's what you do. You know, you adapt and, and, and you keep moving forward. So, you know, I think, if, you know, people just got to be patient. You know, we got some great recruits coming in as well that, that add a little bit more depth. And, and, you know, and those guys are always compete. And that's one thing I love about Coach Smart. They, they compete every day at practice. So um, I, I, think, I think we're going to be fine. I, I think we're going to be fine. And as long as we don't turn the ball over offensively and we can – we can move the football, and like you say, it's okay to punt. You know, if you're on your if you're on your own forty, you know, and you got to punt, that's change that's change of field position right there. You know, so they got to drive the whole entire field. You know, um, if you get a good punt, which I'm pretty sure we will, because uh, we have a great punter and a great special teams um, coach, and I'm not going to right are now. doing well. So, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I, I'm behind the spread, and I, I think we I think we come out on top in this game. Yeah, absolutely, and and it's just one of those things where the defense is, you know, I, you know, they're not a bad defense. They have bad moments. They have moments where they don't execute. They have moments where communication causes uh, and some inexperience and miscommunications cause coverage bust where where either where the coaches don't communicate properly because they assume uh, in some situations that that the guys know what to do, and and other situations where the guys mishear them or they just blow the coverage or whatever. Um, but the fundamentals are still there, and you could tell that this mm-hmm. this defense has potential. So it's not time to hit the panic button and say Dan Lanning is actually a bust and wish wish he would go take a head coaching job somewhere and and, and get out of our face so we can hire Will Muschamp. That's not you know I don't think that's fair either. Now if if Dan Lanning leaves and takes a head coaching job, I'd be happy for him um, because that he deserves to to lead his own program, and I think he would do a great job. Whoever decided to hire him. Um, and I think we'd be fine in, in hiring to replace him, but I, I don't think it would be out of necessity. And so, you know, it's just it's just getting the communication because it. I mean, to play in the secondary require to play in the secondary and the offensive line. Those are the two positions that require the most communication. And any sort of small breakdown in communication, either your quarterback's getting killed or you're getting torched for a highlight play. And so, e- either way, you're put on display and you're put on an island as a DB or an offensive lineman. So communication is vital. That's why you don't that's why you can't just throw guys in there. That's why it's so hard to evaluate the offensive line position because yeah, you can sign you can sign all these five stars that that have all this talent, but if they're not good communicators, uh, whether they're receiving or uh, or delivering the messages, then it's not going to matter how talented you are. It's going to what what's going to end up happening is you're going to end up giving up a lot of sacks or you're going to end up you know, being out of position a lot and, and playing chase techniques and, and ended up trailing streaking receivers and things like that. Or you're going to you're gonna do the, the fall down and grab your ankle uh, every time you get beat, saying, oh, I got hurt, I got hurt. Um, so it, it doesn't matter how good you are, what kind of pedigree you have. It's all about the communication skills. And if you can, if you can have that coming in, I think you'll be, I think you'll be in good shape in, in both positions. But it's so hard to evaluate those guys because you don't really know. It's, it's not easy to, to put them – in that situation and evaluate because communicating in high school and communicating 
and college are two totally different things. So it's it's almost like okay, we're gonna have to go on measurables here and 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 uh, and kind of have our development. You know, you, you got to have a great offensive line coach that's gonna develop these guys. And you got to understand that it's really hard to play right away. Like the the Derek Stingleys of the world playing and excelling as freshmen are are a rarity at those positions. And so you just got to understand that and understand that there's going to be some growing pains in those positions because of the communication gap. So if you can understand that, you'll understand that defenses are going to suffer a little bit and, and defenses are probably not going to run as efficiently until you get those issues figured out. So uh, for that, I think that we've gone a long way of getting that stuff figured out. I think some guys that are starting to emerge are starting to emerge now. Uh, some guys that are making physical mistakes are probably not going to be in the game. So that's, uh, you know, that that's good too. And and so we're, we're getting the right personnel in. And I, I feel really good about being able to, to go up against this Missouri team because this will be the best defense they've, well, maybe not. Uh, they faced Alabama earlier in the year, but this will be one of the best defenses they faced uh, all year. And this will be, be another tough test for Mizzou. And, you know, I, I just don't think they're ready – quite yet to win a game like this so it's uh, you know it, it it is what it is and, and I'm buying the spread so you, you say speaking of getting good recruits in and speaking of uh, competing Georgia picked up a couple of huge commitments uh, one I think yesterday or the day before uh, picked up cornerback Nylon Green and I don't know if we talked about Smale Munden who is a uh, Literally figured to be a huge outside linebacker uh, recruit from uh, from Paulding County. So two big uh, two big names dropping in this uh, in this recruiting class. Two big pieces. Uh, Nylon Green is as talented as they come at the cornerback position. Uh, when we weren't able to get uh, Tony Grimes, that uh, ended up actually enrolling at North Carolina. So uh, good for him. He's gotten baptized a, a few times, but again, he's a <laughs> freshman corner. That's going to happen. Well, he's supposed to be a senior in high school. So. Um, that's yeah. definitely going to happen to you. Uh, so when we weren't able to get him, Nylon Green was next on the list, pursued him, got him. Uh, huge get for, for the dogs. Going to be, you know, I'm excited to see him. He's a big, tall corner, physical, can cover well. What, you know, what, obviously it's great news, but what, what do you what do you like in Nylon Green? Um, I like everything about him, you know. Um, him and Eric Stokes um, know each other well. I think they played together um, in high school. Well, he probably, probably was a little bit younger than him, but, you know, they kind of know each other. And um, Eric Stokes, is, is he's excited about it, which means that I'm excited about it. Um, and I've, I've gotten to see him. I got to see him last week here. Um, Newton came to play Lowndes, and he's a big, strong, physical corner now. He he, he can get it done. Um, you know, and I don't know if, if Tyson Campbell's leaving or not, but with him and, and Tyson, two big, long corners, um, on the uh, on the opposite end of each other, I think that's what Georgia needs. I think we need those big physical, you know, long corners, you know, to deal with the receivers that you know are coming up now um, in the SEC. So uh, that, that's a huge get, and and I love the way that he committed. I love the way that, that he went about it. Um, he's excited to be a dog, and I'm excited to have him. Now, uh, also, your guy uh, is it Tyree West or Tyre West from uh, uh, Tyree? Tyree, Tyree West. yeah. So uh, from Tiff County. Class of 2022, uh, Israel. That head coaching job's open, and if you get it, uh, that's going to be your your centerpiece on defense. So um, I know you're excited. Uh, you texted me. We talked about this, I think, last week. So uh, mm-hmm. right before right before the uh, the the South Georgia Internet Mafia got you. But um, <laughs> yeah, I, I know you're excited about him. Talk about him a little bit. What what is he going to bring to the defensive line? 
I've known this kid ever since he was little in elementary school, and he was always the biggest kid. He's always been the most athletic kid. Um, you know, as you get older, you know, your body starts to change. You know, he'll go from, like, running back to you know, linebacker to now he's playing defensive line. He's a monster up front. Um, I think he was a co-defensive player of the year this year. I have to go back and check um, over the region. Um, one seven eight down here in, in South Georgia. So, you know, one one, one seven eight down here, you got the Colquitts and the Lowndes and uh, Camden and Tiff County. They're all in that region. That That's some great company to be a part of. And, and he completely dominated um, up front uh, for Tiff County this year. And I'm very excited, you know. Um, you know, uh, whenever whenever somebody from your hometown is also going to be a dog as well, um, that, that, that brings a little tear to your eyes because that, that means that, you know, we're being known. Um, especially from, from Tiff County. So um, he, he's a great kid. Um, he, he'll be a great uh, addition to that defensive line. Um, and he has a motor that, that I've never seen from a kid before to be that big um, and to move the way that he does. It, it, it's amazing to watch. And he, he's very physical. Uh, he's a mean kid. He's a teddy bear. But once he gets between those lines, you know, he, he's a mean kid. He likes to get after it. So he likes to compete. Um, and, and one thing that I do love about him as well, he hadn't let the fame go to his head either. Um, he, he's still a humble kid. Um, he, he still goes to work with his lunch pail every day, and he's ready to work. So I'm excited to have him. Um, I think he'll be a great addition um, to our defensive line. He loves our defensive line coach. I, I think um, that that's what flipped him. You know, he was he was kind of battling between other schools, but um, you know, once he got to you know sit down with, with the staff and our D line coach, just kind of sold him. You know, um, in one of his interviews, he said that he was just like a father figure to him, and that and that's what you want. You know, if, if I'm going to send my kid to a school, I want that coach to be like a father figure to him because he's not. I'm not going to be with him 24-7 like I normally am. I want somebody there that's going to make him do what he's supposed to do, go to class, you know, compete, you know, get on his tail when he needs it. And I think that's what he loved about it. I think, um, you know, and our defensive line is, is producing. Um, so I think that that was a great selling point. I can't wait to see him uh, tee it up between the hedges. Absolutely. I mean, I, I think you said it all perfectly. I mean, he fits with this defensive line uh, is trying to bring to the table. And, and you know, I, I love everything about his, his style of play and just his demeanor and the way he can kind of take over games. And I'm excited to see what Trey Scott can do uh, with that, uh, with his talent and some of the and the, the youth movement at the defensive line position is going to be exciting as, as those guys continue to develop. So I'm excited. Um, I can't wait to see what Tyree can do uh, with the red and black on, and I'm I'm glad he's uh, I'm glad he's on board. I'm glad he's on the train, and I hope that uh, you are. I'm hoping that you are his head coach next year, uh, so that you can enjoy at least one year of high school uh, with him. So, uh, that being said, a lot of great things happening in Georgia recruiting. Uh, another one of those things that could happen um, can come via the transfer portal. Uh, there is proverbial, you know what, hitting the fan down in Baton Rouge. Uh, Ed Orgeron, uh, they've got three wins, and they imposed, they did self-imposed ban bowl uh, for some sort of embezzling some money situation, things like that. Uh, also, you've got guys bolting the team left and right. I think they've lost. I think there's some more guys opting out now, and I think they're up to like 35 since January between the graduates, the early NFL departures, and, and the opt-outs. So, I mean, you lose a third of your team uh, from January until now. Something ain't right. Bo Pelini was a mistake um, to hire him. I, I don't I don't necessarily believe him, and I don't think the LSU players are believing him as well. Eric Gilbert is homesick. Maybe he got into that situation to realize that he was uh, 
He was not happy there. Uh, reports are that Georgia was his second choice coming out of high school and that uh, Georgia is the team to beat in this one. So uh, I, I, if we can get Eric, Eric Gilbert uh, to pair him with Darnell Washington, this offense would go from explosive to whatever the adjective uh, above explosive is. So what do you what do you think about go, what's going on at LSU? Um, it's it's definitely still unprecedented because even with Chiswick uh, back in 2010, he won the national championship and two years later was fired. I think this is even more of a train wreck and, and rapid dissension. But um, I'm not surprised uh, because Orgeron seems to find trouble everywhere he goes. But I'm I'm more surprised at how quickly it's unraveled. I'm surprised too. Um, I, I think you know when you when you become a head coach, especially of a high high state college football team, I think you have to kind of know who's around you. You know, you can't keep your thumb on your kids all the time, but you know you can control what you can control. In situations like embezzlement, I think those are things you can control. You have to look at the people who are around you, um, who who are your support staff. You know what's going on, um, and, I, and I can trust me. I understand. You know, coaches have meetings and and reporters, you know, to go talk to and things like that. But you have to know what's going on in your program. And I, I think after that national championship and leading up to that national championship, I think uh, some of the coaches just, just lost touch, you know, with, with what's going on within your football team, you know. And, and that that's where you get the these sanctions and, and these bans and stuff from is because people don't pay attention to things. You know, you have to pay attention to what's going on around you. And if you hear, if you hear it once, I have a, I have a theory. If you hear it once, you know it's probably a rumor. If you hear it twice, there's probably some truth to it. If you hear it a third time, that means it's true. You know, so I, th- I think they, they just kind of swept it under the rug and saying, "Oh, this will go away," or maybe it wasn't true. But now you're starting to see it is, it is now true. And um, I think that, you know, once he hired Bo Pelini, um, you know, and you know, it's not all. I don't think it's all Bo's fault because of COVID. I think COVID kind of had to deal with that. The kids didn't get to know him. And then once they got there, it was like, I hate this guy, you know. And I, th- I think that's what they're going through. And offensively, you know, you go from being this explosive offense, you know, you, you got all these weapons outside and things like that. And now, you know, they're very stagnant. You know, you got a freshman back. They're starting now. Um, they, they just don't look like, like they know what, what to do um, offensively. So, you know, as a, as a player, you know, that, that's frustrating. And, you know, and the Gilbert kid, you know, I watched him when he was at Marietta. He is a dynamic player. He's a dynamic player right now, even at LSU. Um, and I think that would be a huge get for, for Georgia. But, you know, for a kid like that to say that he's homesick, you know, after choosing to go to LSU, that means that something's not right at LSU. And I think it's, it's a cop-out for him saying that, you know, he's homesick. But I think he's just ready to go because there's, some, there's something not right going on over there within that program. And you're starting to see it in the news. and you're starting to see it last week when Ed Orgeron, you know, spazzed on the sideline, you know, after um, Devontae Smith caught that touchdown. So there's a lot of disarray over that LSU, and I hate that because they just came off a national championship literally a year ago. You know, a year ago, everybody was all excited about LSU football, and now it's a dumpster fire over there right now. And and I think, you know, you have to go back to the drawing board. You know, you're not going to make a bowl. This year, obviously, because one, you didn't win enough games, and two, because you just imposed that sanction upon yourself. But, you know, you got to figure out what's going on. You got to get back to the drawing board and get back to what got you to the national championship. And I think LSU um, is in for a rude awakening uh, up until that point to where they figure everything out. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, 
you're not only are you embezzling money, you're embezzling it from a Louisiana hospital foundation uh, to the family of a player. So that's scummy as it is. Um, I, I think one of the biggest mistakes also is they didn't try to replace Joe Brady in, in his role because I think what made that offense really go uh, for, for all the weapons that they had, because Joe Burrow, until he really kind of got that development from Joe Brady, he was he was just another quarterback. He was just another, he was just a guy. Like he was not. I mean, he was going to get drafted. He's talented enough to get drafted, but he was certainly not Heisman number one overall and all that stuff that he is now. So I, I think that the pairing of Joe Brady and Steve Ensminger was a great match made in heaven because those two guys were able to fill each other's weaknesses. Right. So Ensminger, mm-hmm. where he was weak, Joe Brady supported that. And where Joe Brady was weak with the lack of experience because he was like 30 years old and hadn't, I mean, honestly, hadn't had as much just overall experience as Steve Ensminger has, they were able to kind of balance each other out and put together an explosive offense. And they worked well together also. Mm-hmm. So having that duo made their offense explosive. And it didn't matter who they had. They could have had this year's group, and they still probably would be explosive because I think that he could have taken Max Johnson or or Miles Brennan or whoever the quarterback was or is or whatever decision they, they would have made. I think they would have made it stuck with the guy and, and, and really developed him and, and turned him into a weapon. And I think they could have made it work with some of the guys that they have. Now, honestly, obviously. I guarantee you this, they wouldn't have as many opt-outs on offense as they would have if Joe Brady was still there. I, I can, I can, I'm willing to put my paycheck on that one. Absolutely. I think Jamar Chase is, is playing right now if Joe Brady's here. Or if they hire somebody that, you know, that's the next step of Joe Brady. Because you, know, you, you, knew, you knew Joe Brady wasn't, was going to be there two years maximum mm-hmm. before he got an opportunity either at the NFL or, or a head coaching job in, the, in, the, in college football. He, his, his rise is, is also unprecedented. It's not the norm. Um, but, he, I mean, he's earned every bit of it. Uh, don't get me wrong, and he'll be an NFL head coach next season. I can I can guarantee you that he'll he'll be somewhere. He's very Sean Mc he's very Sean McVay like. They, yes. they they're smart guys, and mm-hmm. and they're gonna get their opportunity. And you know, lo- losing him when when they lost him, I knew I was like LSU's not gonna be very good, um, offensively anyways. And then when I when I saw they hired Buck Lane as defense coordinator, I said now they're really not gonna be very good. Yeah, because um, Aranda was know, actually the other part of that glue that was holding that team together. I mean, he, exactly. He put Stingley in positions to where Stingley could do his thing, right? And Stingley mm-hmm. was one of the best. We were considering Stingley the best cornerback in the country, regardless of age. Like he could have been a first rounder had he come out as a freshman. Actually, uh, the way he was playing, and then Aranda leaves, and Stingley just regresses now. So it's either you didn't take that next step in development or you're not putting him in the position defensively to, to really flourish. And, and Aranda's style is, I mean, he's a great defensive coordinator. He's like Venables. He's going to get, he's going to yeah. get massive heat on you, right? AJ Terrell was drafted in the first round by the Atlanta Falcons because of Brent Venables. Had he been, had, had AJ Terrell been at NC state, he probably gets drafted in the fourth round. Yeah. And, and is just a guy in the NFL. But he is a first-rounder because of Brent Venables, uh, not only because of fundamental development, but because of scheme development. He's so far ahead of a lot of prospects just because he played in Brent Venables' scheme. Same with Dave Aranda. There's a reason why all those guys, I think it was seven guys, got drafted off that defense last year. Insane. Yeah, most there, there's a reason for that. 
And there's a reason now that Dave Aranda's coaching at Baylor, which I don't know that if I'm Dave Aranda, I just panic and take Baylor, but maybe Dave Aranda saw the writing on the wall and was like, hey, I need to get out and strike while the iron's hot because this iron ain't going to be hot very long. And so I, I think him going to Baylor, which I don't really necessarily agree with the the, the brass at Baylor and, and what they stand for, and I thought that was kind of an odd move for Aranda to just go randomly to Baylor University, but um, I thought he could have. I thought he could have gotten a better job uh, than that had he had he waited. But then again, you know the the all the stuff that's going on. I, I'm not surprised now. You know, knowing what I know at this moment, I'm not surprised at all. Yeah, uh, I'm pretty sure that between you know Joe Brady, I know Joe Brady want to get back to the NFL. That that was his plan. Um, and I think the abruptness of him leaving and then uh, Dave Aranda leaving, um, I think I think something was going on, and they saw it, and I think they got out while, while they could. And you're starting to see, I mean, when you got 35 scholarship kids just opting out, I mean, what it makes you wonder what's going on. We all know why they opted out at Mississippi State. Mike Leach came in, it is, it's, this is how it's going to be, and, and guys just didn't like it. You know, there, there's difference if, you know, you got kids that just don't – that they just don't like it, you know. But now that everything's coming out of LSU, it's starting to wonder, is there something within that team that's just not right? You know, I, I haven't seen any kids just come out and say, you know, well, you know, this coach, coach is a butthole. You know, I hadn't seen that. I think a lot of kids are just saying, you know, something's not right here and I don't want to be a part of it. I think I think yeah. that's what you get in the LSU. And mm-hmm. it's starting to show on the field. I mean, these, you know, kids are playing hard, yeah, but – they don't know what to do. They're busting coverages. Like they're not running the right routes, you know, and they, they're not being developed as you would think that a, as a team that just came off a national championship should be developed, you know. You watch the Clemsons and, and the Alabamas and, and even, even Georgia. You know, every year it's getting better. You know, of course you have setbacks here and there because of injuries and, and other things like that, but the development of the players is getting better and better each week and each year. And LSU just, just – completely plummeted this year on both sides of the ball. Even in the special teams, they, they plummeted. So something's not right. And, you know, for Ogeron's sake, which I like Coach O. I, I like him a lot. I, I like the, the style of which he does everything. But, you know, at some point, you know, you got to figure out, you know, like what in the world is going on? You got to fix it now. Exactly. You, I don't think you're going to have, have a lot of time to try to fix it later on. No. And, and unfortunately, I think the fix in this scenario is just cut the head off the snake. And, and just get rid of Orgeron. Uh, I think they have a chance to fire him uh, with all this investigation stuff. I think they have a chance to fire him with cause and not have to pay some huge buyout. So uh, if they're going to strike, they got to strike while the iron's hot. They've got to be able to – if they can swiftly cut the head off the snake in this scenario, I think they can save a lot of grief and save a lot of potential destruction and, and potential – uh, effort and rebuild later down the road if they go ahead and, and and do it now and they can hire they can go right up the road hire Billy Napier have him come on down and and try to rebuild this thing and it'll be a little bit easier of a rebuild because LSU still has name recognition and they still can salvage that um, if they don't get crushed with uh, with sanctions and I think if they fire swiftly uh, Ed Orgeron the, the NCAA might might I say might they might go easy on Mississippi State with their sanctions if uh, if they fire Orgeron quickly. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't know what's <laughs> going on. I mean, how, how do you how do you embezzle from what you said a children's hospital? Like how, how it's just that... a, it didn't say children's but it it is a hospital fund. Yeah, like how how do you how does that go just unnoticed? 
you know, and you, you, you hear stuff, you know, as a coach, you know, you hear a lot of things and you, you just don't do anything about it, you know, and, and it, it's, you know, and all this started after the national championship game and it all came out when uh, OBJ's in there, you know, he's throwing money on the ground and all that good stuff. And then guess what? When that happens, people start talking and guess what happens when people start to talk? All these little, all these little truths and stuff start coming out. So, yeah, um, I think, it, and and when it did, it, it's bad. It, it is really mm-hmm. bad. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see what happens with everything. Um, I, I what what they have like one more game left or something like that. So, yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see they how it goes. Florida. But man, but man, I I think if, if they get monkey stomped by Florida this week, I think that's the telltale for everybody over there at LSU. Unfortunately. Yeah, and uh, honestly, I I mean, you, you hate to see it because you know Coach O had done a done a good job up until this point at re- rehabbing his image, uh, and, and all of the things that plagued him at Ole Miss and USC and everywhere he's been, and and you, you thought he was finally starting to turn the corner. Come to find out, that's not the case at all. So, um, you know, you you hope for better for LSU, um, in, in that situation. But right now, it's a dumpster fire. People are leaving left and right. People are. People are jumping off the ship as it's sinking, uh, trying to swim away before it engulfs them. Uh, don't blame them, and uh, hope it gets better, not only for LSU but for the SEC, uh, because that is definitely a black eye on the university and the conference. So, uh, but let's talk about some more uplifting things, shall we? Um, Shane Beamer, the uh, special teams coordinator, and I think he's run game coordinator at Oklahoma uh, for Lincoln mm-hmm. Riley, uh, was just named the uh, head coach, the next head football coach at the University of South Carolina. Now, uh, there's been a lot of backlash about it. And even even when I first saw the headline, I, I kind of chuckled to myself and said, really? Uh, they kind of settled on that one. But, Israel, I thought about it. And I thought about it. And I thought about it. And I did a show. I did my new podcast last night uh, with, uh, with Kurt Page and, and Craig Ladd called Coaching Chatter. We got to have you on as a guest, by the way. Um, we we talked about it, and it's kind of like Shane Beamer's career is kind of like putting together a puzzle, right? Um, I think gone are the days of like you have to have head coaching experience to get some 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 of these major jobs. Um, I think you just have to have the right puzzle pieces, and when I say the right puzzle pieces, I think I mean you know you have to have the right aspects of what it takes to be a head coach by okay. virtue of working in different scenarios. Like for for Shane Beamer, obviously he has his dad who built a program mm-hmm. from the ground up, okay, at Virginia Tech. And he worked for him. He grew up with them. He, he was immersed in the Frank Beamer culture, obviously, right? So he, he's got that aspect of it. He, uh, Frank Beamer also glamorized special teams, uh, coverage units mm-hmm. and, and things like that. Uh, special teams kind of, you know, return guys have always kind of been glamorized. But the, the art of blocking a kick and creating havoc on special teams with your coverage units uh, was glamorized by Frank Beamer. So he also gets the piece of recruiting from Kirby Smart, his time at Georgia. Uh, he got he got a he went to the Kirby Smart Academy of recruiting, especially recruiting in a brand new situation as a brand new coach. He got to see that firsthand because he came with Kirby when Kirby first got hired back in uh, uh, the tail end of 2015 and, and for the 2016 season. So he saw all that firsthand. So and he learned for two years for two seasons under the uh, Kirby Smart. Academy of Recruiting. He got what he needed, and he, and he went over to Oklahoma. And he, he got further immersed in the recruiting uh, 
the recruiting deal uh, there with Lincoln Riley. He got immersed in the Lincoln Riley Academy of Offense. Mm-hmm. So I think he kind of knows what he wants uh, philosophy-wise on that side of the ball. Uh, also, uh, his time at South Carolina, that's where he kind of immersed himself in the Gamecock culture, the Columbia community, things like that. He really made a name for himself uh, when he worked for Steve Spurrier, and he got all the whatever Steve Spurrier brings to the table offensively and staff-wise and culture-wise and experience-wise. He kind of got he kind of got all of that all that experiences, all those puzzle pieces tied together with what he uh, what he experienced at South Carolina under Steve Spurrier. So that led to the South Carolina administration saying, you know what, we've interviewed some people, we like him, he's our guy. We're going to bring him in, and we're going to be patient with him. But we're going to bring him in, and we're going to develop him. We're going to let him grow uh, because we think he's the best fit for South Carolina. And I, I, I actually applaud South Carolina for finding the best fit for them, not worrying mm-hmm. about what the outside world thinks, what is the best fit for the University of South Carolina. And they felt that that was uh, Shane Beamer, and they made the hire, and they, they pulled the trigger. Now, whether that works out long term, I don't know, but – Who's who's to know that Billy Napier comes over from University of Louisiana and and, and makes the same impact? Who's to, who's to say that Jamie Chadwell comes down from Coastal and is not a total flop at, at the Power Five level? You know who's to, who's to say that one guy is better than the other? You just have to make an educated guess based on what you've seen, and they've seen Shane Beamer in action, uh, so they've got a little bit more of a sample size on him. So, um, you know they they've actually experienced it firsthand. They're, they're not they're not watching it. Uh, like like they do with the other guys, so uh, I applaud him. I think it's going to be. I think he's going to be a good fit. It's going to take him a year or two. You're you're, you're probably he's probably going to have a little bit of a laugher next year. He's probably going to catch some scrutiny. Um, but the key is holding on to Gunnar Stockton and uh, building your recruiting classes around that. And so I, I think he he's going to hire great staff. And I think he's going to do a good job. Do you? Uh, what was your initial reaction when you when you saw that? Um. My my first initial reaction was, man, I, I wish my dad was a top notch uh, college coach. I bet I can get whatever I wanted. That was my first thought. Um, but then you know, that's like you said, I started looking at, yeah, I mean that that's just how it works, you know, sometimes. But then I got to think about it as well, and everything that you just you just said is, is so true. You know, he he came in, he obviously has a plan, and whenever you get a head coach that comes in and has a plan, um, I, I think I think that's that's your guy. Um, he has a plan of what he wants to do. He wants to bring uh, Lincoln Riley's brother over to be his offensive coordinator. You know, that's a plan. You know, um, I don't know what he's going to do defense defensively, but I heard that Bud Foster might might be his defensive coordinator. He might come out of retirement, so that's a plan, you know. And, I mean, the Gamecock Nation is looking for somebody who, one, can can bring fans back back to being excited about South Carolina football. You got to think, South Carolina football during, during the Steve Spurrier era, and even the Lou Holtz there, I mean, they, they were competitive in the SEC. Um, yeah. The last couple of years, they just haven't been. Um, so I, I think I think that's what they're looking for. Like you said, it's going to take a year or two for him to get it for get for him to get it going. Um, but one one thing about it is, and you alluded to it earlier, that he's smart. He's been around some great coaches. You know, his dad, um, Steve Spurrier, uh, Lincoln Riley, Kirby Smart. He's been around guys that have different aspects of how they go about their day, and he's learned from each and every one of them the what to do and what not to do. So I, I think he's going to do fine as a head coach. And we also know that he's going to surround himself with people that he trusts, you know, and people that, that are going to help him succeed at South Carolina. So um, congratulations to him. Um, I think it's a very exciting time to be a gang pot right now. And um, I'm interested to see, you know, who, who he hires and how he goes about doing everything. Cause 
you know, that that's number one. Who are you going to hire? You know, are you going to hire uh, an older guy or are you going to hire a guy that, you know, can, can get along with the kids, uh, get kids to buy in? You know, one thing about Bud Foster that I love, those kids were boo-hooing when he decided that he was going to retire, you know. And that's what you want. You know, Bud Foster's been doing this for a long, long time. And he decided that, you know, I want to be a defensive coordinator for the rest of my life. I don't want to be a head coach, uh, you know. And, and that shows to the kids, guess what? If you're if you're a defensive guy and Bud Foster comes to your house and he's like, hey, you know what, what's going on? He talks to you. You're like, I want to play for that guy, you know. So I think that you know he if he surrounds himself with a great staff, you know he he comes in with a plan. Um, he he succeeds in that plan. I think uh, South Carolina is going to be a force to be reckoned with um, in the SEC again, uh, like they were in the past. And um, you know it's it's just one of those things where you, you it's it's kind of a wait and see. You know, everybody's still kind of playing right now, so it's kind of wait and see, you know, how everything kind of shakes out and who he puts as a staff. But if he gets a good staff in, you know, and he gets his plan rolling, I, I think Sacramento is going to be uh, very, very good. Yes. Yes, absolutely. And I, I think it's uh, – he's well on his way to, to, to making uh, making his way up the, the coaching ladder. So I'm, I'm excited for him. Uh, I'm excited to see what he can do. Um, hopefully uh, when they play Georgia, they lose, but – you know, you, you, you wish him success every, every other week. And, and so, you know, I, it's, uh, you know, as a fan, you know, I'm, I'm happy to see him lose against uh, Georgia every single week. Uh, but as long as he beats Florida and Tennessee every single year, I'm cool with it. Um, I'm good with it. So, uh, you know, good job, South Carolina. I, I think they, even though they, you know, some of the people that are uh, outside looking in fan-wise don't necessarily agree with the hire and think it's hilarious. I think South Carolina handled this about as well as you could. They were swift. They were decisive. They knew who they wanted, and they went and got him. And so you have to respect that, um, and, and you have to you have to respect their process. And, and you know, they could have made a mess of it and, and got publicly denied by everybody, but they made a quick offer, and they said, okay, we got our guy. So Yep. They, they did. And, and, you know, that's what the, you know, the players have to look forward to. Um, and, and that's what the fans have to look forward to. So um, I think once, once you, once you get rid of a guy um, you, and you don't let it linger and you just kind of start the process already. And once you fire your guy, you go ahead and make that decision. Um, I think that kind of puts everybody at ease. And now, now you just start to play the waiting game, just see how everything goes. So um, the players know who their new head coach is going to be. So, um, you know, they can make whatever decisions they need to make um, for, for their futures. But I, I think you're going to get a lot of a lot of kids that, you know, like I said, once he gets the staff in, you know, the kids get to know them and get to know Shane a little bit more. Um, I think you're going to see South Carolina, you know, kind of take off a little bit. Um, and for his sake, I hope so. But, you know, like I said earlier, he, he's been around some great coaches um, and his dad being being in the forefront of that. So, um if he surrounds himself with a great support staff and great guys around him, he, he's going to do very well at South Carolina. Absolutely. Absolutely. So uh, let's, uh, let's make some picks, shall we? Um, a game that, uh, before we make some picks, a, a game that was supposed to take place was the big game between uh, Ohio State and Michigan. Michigan uh, has canceled the game due to uh, COVID outbreaks and things like that. So Jim Harbaugh is not going to lose to Ohio State – this year, so he can put that feather in his cap. Um, since then, uh, the, it was going to be reported that Ohio State was not going to be able to qualify for the Big Ten Championship. So if I'm Northwestern and Indiana, I'm sitting there very excited, or 
actually Indiana. I'm sitting there very excited of the fact that, hey, I'm going to get to play in the Big Ten Championship. I don't care how I get there, but I'm going to get to play in it. And then the Big Ten says, yeah, we're going to, that whole like minimum number of games, we're going to waive that um, so that Ohio State can play in uh, in the Big Ten Championship. So, yeah, we're going to go forward with that. So Ohio State, don't worry. We'll get you in the playoff no matter what. If I'm if I'm Indiana, if I'm Northwestern, or really, realistically, the entire conference, how irate are you? I am absolutely furious. I'm talking about I'm ready to throw a brick through the television set because I think, first of all, the Big Ten handled it wrong in the beginning of playing football. You know, um, they they did it all wrong. Um, I think the SEC and ACC were the only two conferences that were stuck on their plan, and they and they went on with their plan. Um, and now you, you put in a statement, all right, well, you have to play six games. All right, well, guess what? Ohio State, they're not going to be able to play six games. So how do you take that away from teams who have been able to do what you put in place the first time? You know, how, how do you take that away from them? You know, and I, you know, I sent you that picture yesterday <laughs> about uh, <laughs> yes. Ohio State and and all yeah. them, but I mean, like, how, how do you how do you do that to a team? Now I get it. You know, Ohio State is the best team in the Big Ten, no doubt. There's no doubt in my mind that they are. But yeah. rules are rules. You know, you can't bend the rules just because you don't get what you want to. And that, that and that that is that that privilege that that we're talking about. You know, because if if you put a rule in place, you should follow the rule. So now, yeah. every time something happens, now you're like, whoa, well, you did this for Ohio State, and you now you can't go back and say, well. No, this no, it's not. This is the same. So you did this for Ohio State. Now you have to do this for every other school in a situation. Now, what if it was the opposite? What if Northwestern or Indiana were in the same boat? Would you do the same thing for them? Nope. So no. Maybe. Now, what do you do? How do how, how do you explain that? How do you explain that? If uh, if if say if Indiana had beat Ohio State, all right, and they weren't able to play their six games, who are you going to put in there now? Yeah, I don't you know. know. I mean, so, it's it's uh, it, it it's all very very uh, it it's so like you're gonna have member institutions now looking to leave. I mean, I I think if I'm Nebraska, I'm already looking to leave. But I mean, that solidifies. I mean, you're you know you're sitting in a conference that has one set of rules for Ohio State, and then a set of rules for for everybody else. That that is much stricter. exactly much stricter and so like they're gonna like the the old joke of you know ohio state screws up and they come down on on purdue uh that might actually be true in this conference like ohio state screws up and purdue gets the uh gets the sanctions because uh they don't want ohio state to miss out on major bowl games so it's all about money it's all about politics and that's a sad sad state of affairs because i think you know you're you're looking at a situation to where you know things could be so much better uh, you know this. This is actually a really good conference, a really uh, strong conf- conference with a lot of parity. And if you take that away, you know these member institutions are are going to reevaluate. A, the commissioner, which I think will be the easiest fix. You know, figure out a way to get rid of the commissioner. Or B, if they can't get rid of the commissioner, well, maybe I'll put some pressure on the Big Ten to 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 move. Uh, we're going to leave the Big Ten and mm-hmm. see greener pastures, even if it's to become an independent. Boise State's already looking to, to, to leave the Mountain West, so, you know, 
maybe maybe these conferences are going to start losing losing teams because of you know the, these regulations and things like that. So um, it's it's happening out west. BYU was the first to, to say screw you, Mountain West, we're leaving. Uh, Boise State's trying to trying hard to, to follow suit. They haven't done so yet, but uh, there was a letter that Brian Harrison wrote to to his administration. So, um, but yeah, I, I think it's I think it's complete. You know what? Uh, that 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 Ohio State is getting to play in the conference title game, uh, and and the rules that like if you never if you never put that rule in place, fine. Exactly. That that's the point that I've been telling. If you don't put that rule in place. And you just go by the body of work. They're undefeated, and they they beat the teams that need to beat. Then they're obviously at the top of the conference, and they get to go to the to the uh, to the championship game, and that's fine. But if you put a rule in that you have to play a minimum of six games, then you have to follow the rule that you put in place. You can't go back in December once you realize they're not going to play six games, and then say, "Oh well, uh, never mind. We don't we don't have to do that anymore." Yeah. No, that's that's not right. It destroys your credibility, and uh, it makes you look like a joke of a conference. So, I I, I hate it. Um, I hate every bit of it. So, um, the powers getting, that be need to have a need to have a sit down and figure out who came up with this idea, and they need to be put in a corner for a while. Yes, because this sit is this is out. this is so bad. This, yeah. this is bad. Yep, 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 yep. Um, it, it's it's real bad. So. Um, but such is life, right? Uh, so let's pick some games. Let's talk about something a little bit more uplifting, uh, like maybe picking against me, uh, <laughs> going opposite. Uh, you'll make, apparently you'll make a lot of money. Um, so we can, uh, we can talk about some betting lines, things like that. But, uh, you know, we'll pick the SEC conference games first. Uh, we, we both picked George already minus 13. Uh, if, if you missed, if for somehow you got to this point, you missed our, our whole breakdown of the Georgia, Missouri game. Just hit that little rewind button and uh, go back. Uh, so let's let's go Alabama Arkansas. Alabama thirty two point favorites. Wow, um, over over Arkansas. Arkansas breaking in a new quarterback. KJ Jefferson uh, looked actually really good uh, against Missouri. Mm-hmm. I just don't think they have enough bullets in the gun here to to even cover the spread until Bama proves that they can't cover a big spread. I'm taking Bama. I'm um, I'm taking Bama all day. Uh, uh, the the uh, Iron Bowl sold me on Alabama <laughs> and spread, yes. so uh, I'm definitely taking Alabama in this one. Yes, I, I made the mistake of not going with Alabama um, in the Iron Bowl. Not going to make that mistake again. As long as Devontae Smith is still wearing an Alabama uniform, I will not make that mistake again. All right, now the Futility Bowl. Uh, Nashville, Vanderbilt taking on Tennessee. This game is actually has no line. Uh, where where do we where do we stand on this game? Who who's winning? It's it's basically a pick 'em. <laughs> uh, and I'm picking Tennessee on this one. I think Tennessee has the has the dues to get it done this week. Um, unless Bendy comes out and plays inspired football, you just never know what might happen in a game like this, especially considering the seasons that both teams have had. Um, but if I'm a betting man, I think I'm taking Tennessee in this one all the way. Actually, I just refreshed and Tennessee is 15 point favorites on Bet Online. Are you Ooh, buying I that? Th- I think that's a lot. I, I think that's a lot. Well, no, no, take that back. If Harrison Bailey is starting again this week, I think I buy that line. If Harrison Bailey is playing more than three series before they pull him, I'm taking that line. Yes, there's a difference. Um, but yeah, I'm taking Tennessee. The Vanderbilt's just pitiful right now. 
Um, and they have every reason to be pitiful because they just have no leadership and they literally have no leadership right now. So there, yeah. there's that. Uh, so Florida LSU, uh, LSU is 23 point road dogs uh, in Gainesville. Now, uh, the same concept for Florida. As long as they don't get off to a sleepy start, uh, I feel really good about them covering this 23-point spread. The Kyles are going to go off. LSU is in turmoil, and it's going from bad to worse by the minute. Uh, so give me the Gators in this one. Um, I'm, I'm going to wait uh, just to see, um, you know, kind of kind of what transpires this week. But I do like the Gators in this one. Um, and it's at the Swamp. Take that back. I'm taking the Gators all the way in this one. Um, I don't think they're going to come out and play slow against LSU like they have. Um, they've been kind of sleepwalking through games um, the last couple of weeks just because of the competition. But I think LSU is LSU, and they want to make a statement leading into that um, SEC championship game. So um, I think that they are good. I, th- I think I think uh, Florida comes out. Kyle Trask has another Heisman-like game, and I think um, Florida comes out and dominates LSU. Absolutely. In the, in the last game in the conference, uh, Auburn traveling to Starkville to take on the Bulldogs. Uh, they are six-and-a-half-point road favorites. Uh, I think what makes me feel good about Auburn is the fact that Mississippi State has trouble covering the deep ball, and Auburn, uh, albeit one of, the, one of the things they actually do well, is throw the deep ball to Seth Williams and Eli Stove and Anthony Schwartz. I don't think Mississippi State has defensive backs that can cover those guys. So I, I like Auburn to cover, to win and cover this spread. Uh, I think I'm going to have to disagree with you on that one. And here, here's why. I watched uh, – uh, what's his name? How dare uh, you? Dang, I had a brain fart. Uh, Texas A&M, that's it. Yeah. Um, I, I watched them kind of dismantle that defense a little bit. Um, and at the same time, I, I watched uh, Auburn just kind of falter, you know, toward the end there. Um, I think if Ole Miss can put up some points and and keep keep it rolling, I think that that kind of that kind of dismantles them a little bit. But I like um, Will Rogers it, a lot. I do. I, I, I like him. I, I like him. Um, so I, I don't. This is a tough one for me. I'm gonna have to get back to you on this one. Okay, but because so, like I said, it depends. It depends on which Auburn team shows up, which Auburn offense shows up. That's Defense why it's so hard own. to pick. That's why it's so hard to but pick it, their games. Exactly, but it, so it depends on which Auburn offense shows up. Because once again, I saw um, Knicks and um, and the OC uh, get into it again this week. So uh, I, don't, I don't know what's going on over there, but um, it it's depends unraveling. on which which offense shows up. I'm like, God, I'm like Chad Morris. You you are a decorated offensive coordinator, and this little kid is basically ripping you a new one over here on the sideline. And, you know, the you camera just taking... always seems to 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 catch it, and you're just sitting there taking it. You know, camera guys like, are savvy, Jesus. man. I'm like Jesus Christ, what is going on? You know, so um, yeah. I'm I, I for right now, if I had to pick right now, I think I like Ole Miss. Um, right now, State, um, yeah. if not win, to to at least you know uh, cover it. So, um, okay. just because that offense is just so dang, I mean, unpredictable. If, if Auburn can't put up points, and that offense gets rolling, it's going to be a long day for for Auburn. Yeah, so uh, I like Will Rogers and and State to uh, to cover there is what you're saying. Um, oh, that's Mississippi State. I'm thinking Ole Miss. My bad. Yeah, no, it's State. Um, yeah. Oh man! Well, wait, well, wait a minute. I like, I do like Mississippi State in this one, though. I, I like them over, over Auburn, or at least okay. to cover, at least. 
Okay. All right. Cool. Yeah, I, I didn't know if you just misspoke or, or you thought they were. Yeah, no, I, Miss, I, yeah, I thought you. <laughs> I thought you said Ole Miss. I was no. sitting here thinking I was like, shoot, Lane Kiffin's about to fight them up on defense. Oh, oh if no, it was Ole Miss, I'm taking Ole Miss all day. Um, yeah. Unfortunately, but but um, I like I do like I do like Rogers and and uh, Mississippi State to if not win to at least cover this one. Okay. That, I mean that front seven, you know, you saw it against us. That yeah. front seven is pretty dang good. They're, they're pretty good. Um, yeah, you're right. So you're right and, about that, and and with Tank Bisbee uh, being hurt the way he is, um, so it, they they can't really run the ball like they want to, but you know, um, you know, we're, we're Rogers is, is lighting it up, so I think they'll dink and dump all day, and then they'll hit all for a couple of big plays like uh, Texas A&M did last week. All right, so let's go outside the footprint now. Uh, the Battle of Los Angeles, USC two point two and a half point favorites. Uh, on the road, when I say on the road, they're just going right right down the street to Pasadena to take on the Bruins of UCLA. Uh, Chip Kelly's got that team starting to kind of look like what his Oregon teams look like, which is going to be scary for the rest of the Pac-12. USC, although undefeated, are very up and down. They play great in times, and they play bad in moments. Uh, they can, they're a defense that is feast or famine. Uh, Keaton Slovis looked great against Washington State uh, this past Sunday night. Um, I'm taking the Trojans here, two and a half points. It's basically a pick 'em, um, but Missouri proved that even with a two and a half point spread, uh, that that an underdog can and will cover that. So uh, I don't think UCLA is going to cover that. I think they're going to get beat by a touchdown. This is going to be a really entertaining game uh, for Pac-12 after dark or Pac-12 at brunch or or Sunday night Pac-12, whatever they're doing these days. Uh, I like USC, uh, the real USC, to uh, to win this game. I think I like Southern Cal, too. I think Chip Kelly is finally starting to do um, what, what he wanted to do at, at UCLA. Um, but I, I still think that they're a year or two off um, from being really good. Um, although they've shown some great flashes this year um, of, of his old Oregon team. Um, but, and I don't think they're going to be scared of USC. Um, I think, USC, like you said, USC has been very up and down this year. I, I thought that they would come in and, you know, they got new coordinators. I think they would come in and, and kind of dominate. Um, but they, they've just kind of they're, they're just squeaking by. And, and you know, with, with it being only two points, you know, it's, it's an either-or game. Um, but I, I think uh, if, if they really want to make a statement and, and they really want to be considered serious, I think that they go out this weekend and get it done and, and put a whooping on UCLA. Absolutely. I, I like that pick. Absolutely. Um, let's go to ACC now. Uh, you've got Miami taking on hosting North Carolina North Carolina three-point road dogs traveling to Miami. Uh, this is the battle of the quarterbacks. De'Eric King versus Sam Howell, uh, two teams that are playing really good football right now. Uh, Miami is playing a slightly better football than, than North Carolina. I am nervous for Miami in this game because North Carolina, I feel like they match up really well against Miami. So I'm going to take North Carolina as road underdogs. I'm going to take North Carolina too. I think they with, with that offense, um, and and if you shut down the quarterback for Miami, then they're, they're pretty much done. Um, although Rhett Lashley's done a great job over there uh, for Miami, um, I, I think if you shut down the quarterback, then if you shut down King, then you pretty much won the game. So um, I think if 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 North Carolina can get him um, struggling, and they can keep scoring the way that they do and the way that they've shown, I think I think they win this game um, by by a lot. I agree with you. I agree with you wholeheartedly. Um, they they can once they get rolling, they're they're tough. They're a very streaky team. They're very tough to they're very tough to beat. North Carolina is when when they get rolling. But when when the, when it's bad when it's bad Tar Heels, 
like when they rolled into Tallahassee and got smacked. Uh, you know, there, there's certainly an element of that. So, but we're both taking the Tar Heels. I, I thought I was going to be the only one, but hey, <laughs> I guess you didn't want me to feel alone. So, uh, all right, two more games. Wisconsin taking on Iowa. This is an interesting one in the Big Ten. Uh, Wisconsin struggling mightily right now. Uh, they just can't seem to get it together. I think all that COVID stuff uh, really, really put a dent into their development. Graham Mertz came back down to earth. Iowa playing really good football now. Uh, they started off really slow. They have a tendency to sleepwalk at the beginning of games, but Brian Ferentz is starting to figure some things out. Spencer Petrus is looking to be a really good quarterback, freshman uh, for Iowa. Um, I'm taking the Hawkeyes here. They're actually one-and-a-half-point underdogs at home. I don't buy that at all. I think Iowa's going to win this game. I, th- I think so, too. I- Iowa's been playing some really good football lately. Um, and, and and it's amazing considering everything that they went through at the beginning of the season, which we talked about in an earlier show at Iowa. Um, I-, I think that they've come back now and, and shown that they can be the old the old Iowa. You know, and, and I- I'm, I'm – Glad to see it, you know, because I was always a big Iowa fan. Because even you know we had the the old NCAA uh, 2011. I was really really good on that football game, um, and I used to always pick them. So um, it's good to see Iowa back to playing Iowa football. And um, I, I think Iowa with Wisconsin struggling the way that they're doing, I, I think that they they come out with a victory on Saturday. That'd be something if if the the state of Iowa was represented in their respective championship games. Uh, Iowa State being in the Big 12, uh, that's a great story, and Iowa being in the Big 10. So one more game, last game. I'm taking Iowa, definitely. Um, Army versus Navy, the game. Uh, Army is uh, the home team this year. They are seven-point favorites. After that 15-year run of Navy's dominance, I didn't think I'd ever see Army be favored by a touchdown, but that is true. Jeff Monken is is an all-star. Um, I really like the way this Army team looks. I'm going to take Army here. Navy's kind of come back to earth a little bit. Ken Kenyamata Lolo's had had a, had some struggles in the last few years. I think Army is trending upwards and and becoming the the uh, the best service academy with them uh, between them Navy and Air Force. So I'm taking I'm taking uh, West Point the Black Knights. Uh, I think I like that one too. Um, I think that. You know, this game is always – this game is great. Um, I, I'm upset because of COVID and we can't see the fans and and, and all all the um, all of our servicemen out there supporting their guys. But I think even with that, I think with with everything going on, I think those guys are still going to come out and play hard. Um, so I'm looking forward to that game. Um, I love watching that game. Um, I love the energy of that game. Um, so it's going to be fun to watch. Absolutely, man. The pageantry and everything that surrounds the Army-Navy game is absolutely outstanding. Uh, it's it's too bad that uh, because of COVID that Army and Navy doesn't exist in their own uh, in their own bubble like they like they have been, um, but it's still going to be a fun game to watch no matter what. So um, Israel, that's going to do it for us, man. I think we covered a lot. I think if you made it to the end of the show, you deserve a Gatorade and a pat on the back. Um, <laughs> you deserve a uh, message me, message us, and say, hey, we made it to the end of this episode, and we'll give you a like and we'll give you a follow if you do the same. Most so, definitely. Um, Israel, any final any final thoughts before we uh, before we rock and roll out of here? Uh, no, just, just my normal uh, with with COVID trending upward. Um, you know, hopefully, you know, sooner rather than later, uh, we figure everything out and 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 kind of kind of get it uh, squared away and taken care of. But everybody, just be safe. Uh, you know, wear your mask. Um, you know, the funny thing is, is 
a lot of people who I've seen who are against masks, you know, have eventually caught COVID. Now they're, they're talking about wearing masks now. And if you just do that from the beginning, instead of, you know, being little elementary kids and, you know, refusing to wear them, I think that, you know, it would be a lot better, but you know, that's neither here nor there, but you know, wear, wear your mask, you know, if you're in big gatherings, you know, j- just be safe, you know, try to social distance as much. And, you know, of course it's the holiday. So, you know, we, we're all about to get out of school and, you know, people like get out of work and see family members, but just, just be cautious. Um, and everybody just be safe. Um, no matter what you do. Yeah. It just goes back to being smart. Just be smart about what you're doing and, and, and be, be intentional on, on everything that you do and wear masks and do everything you need to, to help others. And, and don't be, just don't give people a hard time about it. Okay. I hate that. I hate seeing, well, it, it's, it's part entertainment uh, for me to see all these uh, videos of people getting in fights over masks. And it's also sad at the same time. So don't, don't be that person. Okay. Just wear yeah. your mask, do the right thing. You know, Israel, I know you don't like wearing masks. I don't like wearing masks. I, I, I hate it. Actually. I hate wearing masks. It, 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 I don't like it. It's uncomfortable, but I do it anyway. Why? Because exactly. I'm, I'm just trying to do my part. I'm just trying to do what, what I feel is right, what, what is necessary. I don't want to wear a mask yes. any more than anybody else does. Okay? You're not special. I'm not special. You're not and special. We, no one's special. And we don't want to be like the Big Ten. You know, just follow rules. I mean, if a place says put a mask on, put, just just put it on. I mean, mo- most places you aren't going to be in for no more than, you know, five, ten minutes anyway. You know, no. so just wear it for, for a little bit. When you get outside, take it off. I mean, yeah. it's real simple. It, it's being it's called being an adult. That's yes. what it's called. And adults have to follow rules. And unfortunately, some people think that those rules don't apply, don't apply to them. But, you know, during a pandemic, if something is simple, just wearing something over your face and nose um, can, can help. I, I think that that's not asking a lot. Um, and if people don't want to wear one, I don't think you get upset with them. You know, they just don't want to wear one. If people want to wear one, you don't get upset with them and ask them why they're wearing one. They're probably wearing one to, to you know, help you and, and to help you feel safe. So, you know, don't don't just don't make it a spectacle. You know, just if you got to wear a mask, wear a mask. And, you know, if you don't have to go anywhere, stay home and you can be mask free all you want to. Exactly. And, uh, you know, wear a mask, don't hobnob uh, excessively and everything will be fine. And so uh, with that being said, uh, we are the Believe in Georgia Dogs podcast. Uh, that is Israel Troop. I'm Corey Burton. Uh, we want to thank you for listening. Uh, f- catch us, rate us, subscribe, review, all that good stuff. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at Believe in Dogs. Again, like to thank our sponsor, BetOnline.ag. They make these segments fun, and they give me some free entertainment. Well, not free entertainment, but they give me some entertainment uh, playing blackjack. So for Israel uh, and myself, Corey Burton, I want to wish you a great weekend. Enjoy the games. Be safe and have a great weekend. We'll see you back here next week. Go dogs. Go dogs. Everybody be safe. For the ones who know safety isn't a catchphrase, it's a culture. And the ones who help make sure everyone makes it home safe. For the safety minded who watch everyone's backs, Granger offers supplies and solutions for every industry as well as safety assessments and training to keep your facilities safe and your people safer. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. 
And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.